0: Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here with an audio masterclass. On how self-driving trucks will change the world. To drop these value bombs, I have brought Robert Brown on the mic. Robert is responsible for the federal, state, and local public and government relations for Too Simple, working with legislators and regulators on the best practices for safety, commercial viability, and policies. He works on building coalitions of industries, OEMs, tier one providers, associations, and academics in the autonomous vehicle industry. Today, Fire Nation, will be talking about the biggest challenges that their companies face in the next five years with self-driving trucks on the horizon. How far away are driverless trucks from actually becoming a reality? What changes does it mean in the industry? Is automation actually a good thing? And so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. This advertisement is brought to you by Creighton University with the support of Union Pacific. A degree from Creighton's Heider College of Business will empower you to think boldly, lead confidently and shape your future. For more program information, to schedule an appointment with an enrollment specialist or to start an application today, go to gradschool.creighton.edu. Robert, say what's up to Fire Nation and let's explain the logistics industry to an outsider.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Um, the logistics industry is incredible. Uh, it's a trillion-dollar industry in the U.S. Um, you know, especially the trucking industry. There's a saying: if you bought it, a truck brought it. Seventy um, percent of all freight is moved on trucks, um, and then also trains and all sorts of you know planes, trains, and automobiles, and you know, just a- immense amount. And as everyone you know, even during COVID. With the increase of e-commerce and everyone ex- expecting their stuff, you know, hours after you order it rather than days, um, and Amazon really driving that, you know, w- through competitors. So you've seen you know huge announcements from Walmart and yeah. Target, and and just an incredible amount of pressure on a already stressed system, um, you know, and and getting stuff around this country is a, a, an important, you know, part of food security and, you know, and of course, just convenience. Now that We demand that, uh, you know, hours shipping rather than day shipping and uh, just an inc- incredibly vital part of our economy uh, and workforce. Um, you know, just in a, you know, millions and millions of Americans are, are employed by uh, our transportation ind- industry as well.
0: It is incredible. I've actually lived down here in Puerto Rico for four years now. So I was here during Hurricane Maria and it just blew me away that after Hurricane Maria, Like we still had the logistical capability to get food across this island with just like this unbelievably, you know, rural roads and mountains and all these different things, but they were still able to make things happen. And to me, I was actually an armor officer in the Army for two years. And then my last two years in the Army, I was a logistics officer. So I went to Fort Eustis to logistics school as well. So I definitely have a little background in that. It's been, it's been a while now.
1: Well, thank you for your service, though. That, that's really cool. Too, uh, so. Thanks, Robert.
0: I appreciate that. And in the introduction, I shared with Fire Nation everything that you're responsible for, which is a lot. Can you break down for Fire Nation your current business model?
1: So right now, we are the largest autonomous truck company in the entire United States with a whopping 40 trucks. So I say that with kind of a tongue-in-cheek <laughs> because of anyone that knows the trucking industry, that is, uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's not very much, but, you know, it, it, it's still a, a new industry. And right now, we, we retrofit um, uh, internationals and, and Peterbilt trucks with our technologies, with cameras and LIDARs and all sorts of great sensors. Um, and we t- test the software that we're developing uh, along with all the all the hardware as, as well every day um, between kind of bookending between phoenix uh arizona and dallas texas uh we we haul cargo for folks like ups uh, we did a pilot with the united states postal service yeah. uh, mclean foods uh, the arizona food bank and so we get real world testing and and also what's nice about it too is that we're not just out there driving around empty trucks you know we're actually uh Purpose building the technology uh, with the design of what they call SAE level four, and basically for folks that aren't familiar with the SAE levels, which is probably 99.9 percent of <laughs> the population, that is uh, kind of the levels. Uh, you can think level five, Jetsons uh, car that can go anywhere <laughs> with the robot level four is is really cool it can go you know without a driver but it's defined route so you know between that you know ups facility in, in phoenix to the ups facility in el paso texas you know, we have to map that. You can kind of think of it putting you down a, a digital railroad, and then the truck can run autonomously on that digital railroad where we map. Oh, so it can't so just, cool. you know, on a split decision, just take off to an, another location and, and that kind of thing. But um, for the, the technology and the business use case, we think repeatable routes, high volume, which is great, you know, for the for the long haul trucking industry. And, and that's the, the business problem we're trying to solve with this great technology.
0: So I'm actually one of those people that walks around saying very loudly, I cannot wait for the day that every single moving vehicle is driverless. And whenever I come across somebody that's like, I will never get into a driverless yeah. car. I go, you are a crazy person because if you honestly believe that, like you don't realize how horrible human beings are at driving. Yeah, it, I mean, that's it bad. is so bad. <laughs> bad. It's so, so bad. I mean, and smartphones with texting and social media, it's only getting worse. I can't drive. Um, a car without looking over at who I'm passing, and oh, nine times yeah. out of ten, their face is in a phone. I'm like, "You're literally driving a car right now. What
1: is happening?" You know, we, we, we were chit-chatting before. You know the community. I live in a beach community. Yeah, and you're taking your life in your own hands on the street. It's <laughs> terrifying. Like, it's like you 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 have your head on a swivel. You know, you're dodging cars because you have no idea if someone's going to see that stop sign or see you. You know, so yeah, the. Oh. As, you know as I'm speaking to them on my smart- smartphone and do everything on my smartphone, they, they've created distracted driving has mm. as caused you know headaches and a half you know for for safety uh, uh, for pedestrians and also you know cars and trucks on the road for sure.
0: I mean, distracted driving is the majority, not the minority of drivers out yeah. there. And Robert, you have yeah. 40 trucks. So how does your company win in the current marketplace?
1: we are an awesome company and it's super fun. And if you're ever out in Tucson, Arizona, come out, uh, come totally. out for a visit. And, and uh, we have some cool stuff on YouTube because during COVID, obviously we, we can't have as many visitors. Right. So you can see the technology um, working uh, on a daily basis. Um, and we video some of our runs and whatnot. Um, but, you know, so we're an R&D fleet. We're a tech company, but I, what I tell people where it's going to get interesting is where you actually going to start seeing some scale. You know, we take these forty trucks and, and turn it into hundreds and then thousands of vehicles, and that's through our partnerships. And we we j- recently announced a partnership with Navistar that makes the international brand of heavy duty trucks. They're one of four. Uh, leading North American OEMs, and we announced a partnership with them about a month and a half ago, and uh, and that and they've put a flag in the ground of 2024, and that's when you're going to start seeing you know factory built you know automotive grade you know built to the highest safety standards out on the roads, you know, at relative scale, you know, even at scale, well, I mean, I always tell people that it's truly transformative technology, but it will take time. It will take, you know, uh, regions and, and, you know, it's no, no, no surprise that I-10 <laughs> will be the first corridor to be automated. And, and, and as we work our way north, um, you know, dealing with other issues like weather and snow and and, and, and all the other different th- things that can encounter a truck on the highway.
0: Now, Robert, all companies face challenges. So I'm just curious, with where you're at right now, what do you see are the biggest challenges that your company's going to face over the next three to five years?
1: You know, we've built an ecosystem. We like to say, I know everyone uses that term now, but it's like the idea that, you know, we want to build our core competency, which is the software and integration of that technology. But we also are relying upon, you know, our great partners with navistar some tier ones which you know make the components you know from braking to steering so there's a lot of time frames that everyone needs to hit while working together to kind of deliver that promise and that is that it is it is a pretty aggressive time frame um you know, as someone like that, you know, especially pre-COVID, I used to try to get into the truck once a month to really see the development. Uh, I remember I've been with the company now almost three years. The first time I got on, and I was like, uh, uh, "This is okay." <laughs> <laughs> but now it's just incredible, and I feel like almost—I yeah, have two young boys, but I feel like a proud parent sometimes when I get on the truck and I see it making decisions and changing lanes, so and cool. doing very humanistic behaviors. Right? Um, you know, robots are very good at repeatable. Um, uh repeatable tasks right but creativity and and nuance and 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 we we all and as we just talked about we drive around kind of like we're robots we just do it of nature but humans are very good instinctual creative creatures you know and there's you know just think merging you know next time you you merge on the highway think about like the social interaction you're having with those other people around you some who are paying (laughs) attention some who are not um and 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 teaching the the truck to be able to navigate that and see and be seamless, right? We don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. And 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 luckily, folks that have know the industry that have, you know cut their teeth in the trucking industry their entire careers, including our own drivers. And by the way, it's Driver Appreciation Week, so thank a truck driver today uh, for all that stuff that is on your store shelves. Um, it, you know, we want ours to to, to drive like the best human driver if not better because one thing about a computer can do it can react faster it doesn't get drowsy it doesn't sleep it doesn't text all that kind of stuff that we outlined
0: so driverless trucks they are a reality i mean you've already talked about the the legs you're doing right now from arizona to dallas and back but how far away is like 50 percent plus driverless trucks from just becoming a reality what's what's that yeah
1: yeah just for fun yeah i mean it's gonna take years for like you know Fifty percent market share of you know that type of because the trucking industry is very diverse too. You got to think of it as like uh, it's not every people always picture the over the road long haul truck, but you know there's there's all sorts of heavy hauls and tankers and and refrigerated units and, and and local pickup and delivery you know delivering the beer kegs to your local bar and restaurant you know so there's the trucking numbers are very high, but you know what when it comes to the long haul market. Oh, man, you're looking at probably at least a 10 year, you know, kind of window before you see any sort of like market saturation um, uh, for automation, long haul heavy trucking.
0: So let's talk about the driverless truck network. Like, what would that look like? I know, like we said, it's going to take time to get to that place. But once we do get there, like, how does that actually perform?
1: Yeah that is actually was a part of an earlier announcement this week we call it the two simple autonomous freight network so a lot of people think of you know the autonomous truck that we announced with international think of that as you know your 5G phone but you need the AT&T Verizon network to make that phone work, right? So that's what 2Simple comes in. Uh, Our core competency, like I said, the technology um, integrating throughout the system is we're building the 2Simple Autonomous Freight Network with our partners like UPS, like McLean, uh, like US Express. Now, these are the the fleets that will buy those international trucks in 2024, and then they get to build out that network so that when that truck is available off the, the factory line, that network can support us. So right now we go from Phoenix to Dallas. So we're going to be checking in with our partners like UPS and be like, okay, is, is, is a is a route to Charlotte? You know, is that your next or Atlanta or go down to Miami? where Where is the freight moving in your network that you need us to build that digital railroad? And that's what the Too Simple Autonomous Freight Network is.
0: Fire Nation, I've already learned so much in such a short period of time here with Robert. I love where the industry is going for reasons that I've already shared earlier. That's, you know, basically – I don't trust and, and really just dislike all distracted drivers out there in the world. And unfortunately, that's the majority of people. But we have some really important key things that we're gonna be talking about as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. If you're ready to take your business education to the next level, then a graduate degree from Creighton University's Hyder College of Business will empower you to think boldly, lead confidently, and shape your future. The Hyder College of Business offers multiple formats and delivery options, including part-time and full-time programs, as well as one-off courses without the commitment of a full degree. You can also choose to take courses online or on campus to fit your busy schedule. Creighton's Hyder College of Business is also nationally accredited by the AACSB and ranked in the top 2% of business schools in the world. So whether you're looking for a master's level degree, a graduate certificate, or a one-year accelerated program, Hyder has something for you. For more graduate business program and course information, to schedule an appointment with an enrollment specialist, or to start an application, go to gradschool.crayton.edu today. That's gradschool.craighton.edu. For a lot of us, our home is now more than just our home. For some of us, it has become a classroom for our kids, an office for our work, or a yoga studio for our workouts. If you're a business owner or a people manager, home might also be where you do your hiring. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier because you can do it all from one convenient place, ziprecruiter.com slash fire. No matter where you're hiring from, ZipRecruiter does the work for you. How? ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to identify the most qualified people for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can even invite them to apply to your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you helping you stand out from the competition. It's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. All you need is Wi-Fi to try it for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So Robert, we're back and I want to talk about changes to the industry. So there's going to be some changes when driverless trucks become the norm. I mean, there's obviously the thing about job displacement and all these other things that happen. So how do you talk about that?
1: I'm transparent and honest. I come from a family of truck drivers drivers and you know and i've and i've done trucking call-in shows and serious radio and and spoke at mats and all sorts of things and i always tell people you know i when i'm talking about this technology i also remind myself that you know people drive trucks that that, to feed their families right you know and so you have to have a, 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 a sensitivity and awareness and so i hope this comes across to your listeners as as a genuine thing that you know i'm supposed to be the most bullish person in this room about this technology and i truly believe Not one person will lose their job to automated trucks. Their job, hopefully, will be better. Um, We'll still need truck drivers on each end of that route, you know, to deliver to that Walmart or deliver to that, you know, Kroger or Vons, where that driver can go home, you know, be home uh, with them, with their families every night. Um, But that segment of that long haul um, you know, from Phoenix to Dallas, or you know, Miami to Seattle. You want to pick the longest route we can think of. You know, we can handle that, but there's so much more that technology can't handle. And you know, the average age of a truck driver last I saw I was 55. You know, there's estimates. You know, obviously pre-COVID, that you know, there's a shortage of uh, around 50,000 drivers. Uh, so maybe one day, you know, maybe that that job isn't replaced by a human. It's re- you know, just through retirement and nutrition. Um, is is done by you know an autonomous vehicle, but again, I, I I fervently believe that not one driver will lose their job to this technology.
0: That's awesome. And speaking of like just how you're going to exist and coexist, like how can and will driverless trucks actually interface with existing transportation networks, like in other industries like railroads and planes and ships? Like how could that work on a practical level?
1: I hope complementary. You know, a lot of people talk about intermodal. Um, You know, being a transformative um, uh, segment, you know, when Mr. Hunt, J.B. Hunt uh, signed that deal with uh, Burley's Northern, you know, and and intermodal exploded. A lot of people see this as could be intermodal 2.0, where instead of it's instead of truck to train back to truck, it's manual driven truck to autonomous truck to uh, manual driven driven truck, you know, and where that middle segment or that middle mile is done by automation, you know, increasing that, you know, that, because the art of the, what is decreasing the capacity right now. Uh, If you, if you talk to any of the big fleets right now is that long haul segment uh, for time sensitive goods, you know, everyone's bought in that thing of strawberries that left, you know, the, the port of LA and and needed to get to Chicago. And by the time they get to the grocery store, they're, uh, you know, a day away from, you know, being growing mold, you know, how do we create that supply chain to be seamless for that time sensitive uh, type of goods that need to be move across country that, you know, and at a, you know, efficient way where you're not paying an arm and a leg and driving up consumer costs. And so that's where we see, I think this, this intermodal 2.0 really taking hold for those times that it top service type of goods, you know, whether it's e-commerce, medical supplies. I mean, we used to say that, you know, as a kind of just a talking point, but now with, you know, again, with COVID, you know, from, from masks to ventilators to, you know, you know, Clorox wipes, you know, everyone, you know, during COVID, you know, when they first went to that grocery store and saw the shelves empty that's a transportation you know choke point you know so you know, increasing that capacity is vital not only for you know our convenience, but also just you know our national security and and, and jobs uh, across this country.
0: Now, I know that you think that automation is a good thing, and and I do as well. And you've talked about that uh, you know just recently in your last answer, as well as throughout this entire interview. But one thing I want to ask you is why is automation a good thing? Like, let's kind of expound upon that a little bit. Maybe give some examples that you've seen in other places. That's really really. exemplifies the great virtues of automation.
1: Obviously, we touched upon the safety aspect, but you're also going to see some environmental benefits when it comes to fuel savings. You know, we've already documented a 10% fuel economy increase with autonomous trucks. And, you know, to most probably casual listeners, that's not a huge deal, but 10%, you know, fuel economy you're talking you know hundreds and thousands of gallons of diesel fuel you know that that will be saved you know from this type of technology so you have an environmental benefits uh, along with you know the upstream and downstream of of the economy you know right now there's a uh, capacity issue um, you know with not being able to have, have enough drivers so they're not making as many trucks and so you know you know navistar can now you know manufacture more trucks that means more tires that means more you know diesel mechanics and then obviously you know the downstream of you know the consumers you know the, the grocery stores the uh, the cost of that milk you know opening new markets uh, for, for small business for dairy farmers for you know agricultural you know folks to 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 get trans, uh, goods across this country i mean i know there's a lot of fear and i'm totally understand where it comes from from a people you know from a safety perspective again from a workforce perspective but again those are the the type of answers that we are working on every day you know we won't deploy an uh, uh, an unsafe product and, and and again i like to remind people that again this won't displace um you know drivers that hopefully will make their 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 drives you know a lot easier and making their um how they do business um better as well.
0: So Fire Nation, you're hearing Robert's kids in the background, and we kind of were joking about in the pre-interview chat, like, hey, this is the new world we live in. It's actually the norm now to hear just life happening in the background because, hey, this is life, and I love all of it for all those reasons. And Robert, you dropped so many value bombs throughout this entire interview. What's the one key takeaway? Like, what's the one thing you want to really make sure Fire Nation gets from everything that we've talked about today? And then we'll say goodbye.
1: Getting excited about automation, just in trucking, and you're seeing it on lots of different modes of transportations, and getting yourself prepared and op- being open-minded, but at the same time, realizing it's not tomorrow. You know, there it will be. It will be incremental. It will be route-specific. But you, as you will you go along your life, you'll start seeing more. Um, you know, robots on your streets. You might see more. You know, automated kiosks because you know automation is here. And and as a as a as a country and as a society. It is a key thing to keep us you know, moving forward. So I'll leave it there. And thank you so much, Sean. This has been fun.
0: Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with RB and JLD today. So keep up that heat. And if you want to head over to eofire.com and type Robert in the search bar, the show notes page will pop up with everything we talked about today. All the best Things in that show notes page will be linked up, Fire Nation. And Robert, I just want to say thank you for sharing your truth, your knowledge, your value with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we will catch you on the flip side.
1: Thank you, John. Take care.
0: All right, Fire Nation, we're doing something pretty cool today. Now that we've heard from Robert Brown from the driverless trucking industry. I'm going to bring on John Panzer from Union Pacific to talk about the rail industry. And this will give a really cool perspective from the other side of the fence. So buckle in because it's going to be a wild ride. light that sparkfire, nation jld here with an audio masterclass on how the railroad industry is preparing for driverless trucks to drop these value bombs i have brought john panzer on the mic he is the senior vice president of technology and strategic planning at the union pacific railroad john has been an influential leader across up for the last 24 years and today Friday, we're going to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of railroad shipping over other alternatives? How does Union Pacific win in today's marketplace? The biggest challenges they're going to face over the next five years and how long do they have until driverless trucks become a serious contender? So without any further ado, let's bring on John. John, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know.
2: I like most people only speak a single language but lately I've been teaching myself French as I commute in, an, in, in to work and home every day it's uh I've been doing it for 2 years and I think if I keep on the same path by 10 years I might be able to be the level of a fifth grader. So it's, it's I really enjoy it. It's interesting.
0: <laughs> well, my last name is Dumas, after the accounts of Monte Cristo and Three Musketeers, Alexander Dumas. And I will say that, unfortunately, that is not a language that I have a grasp on. So you can't riff with me right now on it. You can't practice. I barely know Spanish and I live in Puerto Rico. Oh,
2: well, you got me there anyway.
0: John, as I kind of shared with all of Fire Nation before I brought you on here, we're going to be talking a lot about logistics today. And just in the nuts and bolt aspects of things, how would you explain the logistics industry to an outsider?
2: Yeah, logistics is pretty simple on the surface, but there's a lot beneath the surface. And it's really about getting goods uh, where they need to be. And that's everything from the beginning of a manufacturing process through warehousing, distribution, uh, to a store directly to people's homes through e-commerce. And it's making sure all that happens behind the scenes without any hiccups. And really what shippers are interested in is making sure that they don't lose sales. So people in the logistics industry are really focusing on keeping things moving fluidly.
0: Let's talk now specifically about the railroad industry. What are the strengths and also the weaknesses of the railroad industry, specifically shipping over different alternatives that are out there in the marketplace?
2: Great question. So the advantage of rail is it's especially effective when you have very dense, heavy freight, uh, and it's incredibly fuel efficient as well. We, we can move, a train can move a, a ton of freight, 900 miles on one gallon of diesel. So if you wow. can imagine getting that kind of uh, efficiency <laughs> in your automobile- yeah. So it's a, it's very efficient on, on fuel and also just handling heavy things. Um, disadvantage wise, railroads don't go everywhere. You know, for example, you can send a post uh, a letter through the post office from any address to any other address, but railroads only go certain places, and you have to have tracks, all the way from the beginning to the end. So it doesn't fit everywhere, and it's also a little slower and a little less reliable than, say, our primary competition, which is trucking. We usually say railroading is about a day slower than trucking.
0: For all you railroad aficionados out there, actually, one of the cool thing I found out when I moved to Puerto Rico four years ago is they have a really awesome and super old railroad track that runs the perimeter of the island. So the island kind of looks like a horizontal iPhone where it's 111 miles wide by 37 miles in length, and there's a railroad that just runs around the whole island. Because what used to happen back in the day in the sugar industry days, they would chop down the sugar cane, and wherever you were on the island, you went to the closest point to where that railroad track was around the perimeter, and you would just leave it there. And that railroad would just run, John, day in, day out, 24 hours a day, just stopping wherever it needed to to pick up the sugar cane, and then, of course, drop it off in the San Juan port when it needed to. So that was something I found really cool when I first moved here and just, you know, this really, really old school um, side of rail shipping, which is really neat. And you talked about the strengths. You talked about, you know, one of the weaknesses. You can't go everywhere. Obviously, you're like a day slower. But what products have you focused on that really do make sense for Union Pacific?
2: Yeah, well, that's a pretty broad range of things, actually, even given the limitations I described. Um, You know, the biggest growth area for railroads right now is containerized freight. So you know we compete with trucks, but they're also our partners in that for long distances they like to put their their freight on directly onto our trains either just pick up a trailer and drop it on a train or uh, we have special containers that the wheels come off and we can stack those on trains. oh wow that works very well in partnership with with trucking companies as well as competition. It also works really well I, you know, I mentioned heavy heavy goods like you think of our gr- grain business all this grain, corn, and soybeans that are grown in the, mostly the Midwest central part of the country. Uh, if you couldn't get that grain to the coasts or to export locations, the U.S. would really be stuck with more grain than they, than we can use. So it, it makes it economical uh, for exporting grain to China or South America and so forth. Uh, automobiles is another area, any kind of construction products, rock that's used in building highways. Um, uh, we Also like imports, containerized imports that come in on the ship. You see the big ships with lots of containers on them. A lot of those containers just get put right on a train at the port. And those boxes can be moved uh, up to 500 of them on a single train uh, into inland locations like Chicago. So it's really a pretty diverse group of commodities that rail fits for.
0: Now, besides trucking, which we'll dive a little bit more into in a bit here, what are some other competition that you have? Like who else would be considered a competitor?
2: Well, we have rail competitors, so there's other railroads. Trucks would be next in line. Uh, when you start to get beyond that, you know there there are there are examples where shipping we call it short uh, short sea shipping if you can say that yeah. fast. <laughs> uh, but that's where you might freight might come out of one port in the U.S. and go into another port, and and again, ocean shipping is quite cheap. But you know, I, I think I think I'd say 90% of our competition is either another railroad or a truck, and otherwise it might be waterways, pipelines, uh, and and O ships.
0: Short sea shipping. Short sea shipping. Short sea shipping. I mean, Fire Nation, if you can match that quality right there three times in a row. Forget. very very impressive so John how does UP win in the marketplace like what do you uh, define as winning and how do you win
2: yeah great question uh, it's you know it's pretty easy to know if you win or not if you if you win the freight you uh, you win so you know I think of it this way customers care about really care about three things uh, and the first one may be a little bit of a surprise to people but number one is capacity just having the transportation uh, truck or rail car or whatever it is available for them to load their freight just get it off the dock and get it moving second is it's got to get there on time and it's got to be reliable you know consistent day in and day out you know if you have variability in the delivery timing of your freight uh it's not going to work for customers because they'll have stock outs and so forth and then third is is really the the value you know how what's the total cost compared to the competition uh, how does it fit into the the total you know, cost supply chain for the shipper? So it has to it has to really fit on all all three of those items. But number one, if you're if you're in the transportation part, department for a shipper, and nobody even shows up to take the goods off the dock, you lose. So that's the number one thing.
0: Yeah, especially if you're dealing with things that have expiration dates, you're going to lose quickly. So customers, Fire Nation care about three things: capacity, being on time, and value. And we're about to take a very quick break, Fire Nation, but we have some really interesting things to talk about, some challenges that rail is going to face in the upcoming years and more when we get back from thanking those sponsors. If you're ready to take your business education to the next level, then a graduate degree from Creighton University's Hyder College of Business will empower you to think boldly, lead confidently, and shape your future. The Hyder College of Business offers multiple formats and delivery options, including part-time and full-time programs, as well as one-off courses without the commitment of a full degree. You can also choose to take courses online or on campus to fit your busy schedule. Creighton's Hyder College of Business is also nationally accredited by the AACSB and ranked in the top 2% of business schools in the world. So whether you're looking for a master's level degree, a graduate certificate, or a one-year accelerated program, Hyder has something for you. For more graduate business program and course information, to schedule an appointment with an enrollment specialist, or to start an application, go to gradschool.crayton.edu today. That's gradschool.crayton.edu for a lot of us, our home is now more than just our home. For some of us, it has become a classroom for our kids, an office for our work, or a yoga studio for our workouts. If you're a business owner or a people manager, home might also be where you do your hiring. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier because you can do it all from one convenient place, ziprecruiter.com fire. No matter where you're hiring from, ZipRecruiter does the work for you. How? ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to identify the most qualified people for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can even invite them to apply to your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you helping you stand out from the competition. It's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. All you need is Wi-Fi to try it for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So, John, we're back and all of our industries, all of our verticals, all of our niches are going to face big challenges in the next five years. It's just a reality, period, end of story. But for you in the rail industry, like, what's one of the biggest challenges that you feel like your company is going to face in the next five years?
2: Our markets have been shifting a lot and it, it matches a lot of what you see going on in the economy today. So, historically, railroads used to haul a lot of coal. Uh, most of that was for utility electricity generation, and and that's going away. You know, there's concerns about climate change that's driving utilities to shift to renewable fuels and natural gas and so forth. So that uh, that business is down is down about two thirds for the rail industry, and is projected to go down even mu- much further than that. So that's a big shift for us. E commerce is another big shift. So e commerce isn't necessarily bad for for rail. But as we all know, you know, one and two day shipping requires goods to move very fast, and again, being a little bit slower than trucks, that it, it creates something of a challenge for us. Although the big e-commerce shippers and parcel shippers are our biggest customers right now, so it's kind of a, uh, uh, a you know an opportunity to win, but it's also a challenge. Uh, Technology is evolving very rapidly, and you know, making sure that customers have the the visibility they need to where their goods are and predicting reliable reliably when that they will be delivered that's a challenge um and you know just keeping up with with those kind of uh, those kind of changes in technology is a, a big thing so those are some of the biggest you know challenges that we see uh facing the rail, rail industry right now um if you look over time in the, re- in the past five years rail volumes have been somewhat stagnant for those reasons and we've been offsetting some of the losses with growth in the containerized freight but uh but that's going to continue to be a challenge for
0: us. Now, you have used the word trucking a number of times when you're talking about your competitors and your competition overall. And, you know, somebody who I recently interviewed, you know, has a fleet of 40 driverless trucks and they're doing some really cool things between Arizona and Dallas. But of course, he did say that, you know, there's definitely some time before this is going to become anything of uh, the norm. I even kind of pressed him on, like, when are you going to get even to like 50%? And like, he was really hedging away from that. But how long do you think you have until driverless trucks become a serious contender for UP and how do you think they're going to impact your position in the industry, if at all?
2: Great question. You know, I'm quite familiar with that company. In fact, we we talk to them directly in, uh, on occasion because we have the same questions. Uh, how quickly <laughs> are we going to see driverless trucks right. on the highway? And uh, because it's, you know, we look at it certainly as a threat, but also as an opportunity. And so, like everyone else, we're, we're very interested in the pace of development. So, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time on that and, and also looking at other similar companies. And I believe that we'll see uh, driver out, no driver in the cab testing of some of these models. This level four level of automation probably within even a couple of years, a year or two, where they'll be they'll be testing, maybe even sooner uh, testing. And then as far as a ramp up, you know, my best guess is um, probably later mid decade, maybe four or five years, three to five years even. And once they get it right. Uh, And there's an adoption uh, capability. I think the the, the transportation companies are going to jump on it very quickly. Um, Some people are very worried about the safety aspects of it, of course. Uh, we all are, but but um, you know, I always put it this way: in the future, when you're driving down the interstate next to an autonomous truck, you'll know that it's autonomous because it's not—it's staying perfectly between the lines.
0: I get nervous when I see that drift of that Big Mac truck. I will say you're
2: right. So you, it'll be the one that doesn't cut in front of you. It'll be the one that doesn't drift. <laughs> so I think you'll see when they get it right, it's going to be safer. And and again, that's a threat to the railroads, but it's also you have to face the realities of technology advancement. And I think it's going to be one.
0: Yeah, it's a threat to everybody who doesn't have their eyes open in the transportation industry because, I mean, the reality is, you know, actual human drivers are like the number one, number two, and, and you know, at the least number three biggest employers in almost every single state in the United States. So that's a huge, huge employer. And, you know, if all of that gets replaced, there's a ton of ramifications all the way up and down the line. And talk to us now about how railroads and other kind of more established freight companies are going to compete with driverless trucks when they do do become that reality, even if we're talking maybe fifty years down the line. I know you guys are eyes open right now, which is great. How are you going to compete?
2: There's a number of things that we're doing, and we're always trying to get better. We're trying to get more efficient. Uh, one of the one of the things we've been working on the last couple of years is making sure our trains get longer and longer and more efficient, um, and diluting the costs of say the crews that run run an existing train. Again, we've we've increased our train sizes so we can get sometimes upwards of five hundred equivalent of 500 trucks worth of freight on a single train wow. and and that you know that's very efficient um second is you know we are working on automation of our own uh, automated trains which i can talk to in a minute and then and thirdly is how how might we use autonomous trucks hmm. and let me give you an example in our uh, containerized business that business always starts and ends with a truck. There's always a truck that brings the container to the rail terminal and one that delivers it at destination. And sometimes the distance between the destination of the uh, the destination rail terminal and the warehouse where that container's going could be hundreds of miles. For example, we move a lot of goods from Chicago put them on a truck and move them into Ohio, for example. And so we might be able to set up autonomous trucks to do that final delivery, even if it's not maybe right to the warehouse door, but to a, say a, a yard right outside of the city and then put a driver in for the final delivery. So we're trying to figure out how that might work uh, in conjunction with railroading uh, to, to, to make our, our business cheaper and also, also uh, you know, um, you know, greater capacity for customers.
0: John, this comes from an outsider. So take it for what it's worth, which probably isn't that much, but listen, skip the trucks, go right to the air drones. I mean, that's the future. (laughs) Forget about even having to have four wheels on the ground, man. I just want to know that you have an air drone come in, picking up some freight right from, you know, even while the the train is moving, it could do this and then it could drop it in my backyard. And I'm like, Thank you.
2: (laughs) Right. We may, we may do that. There's, I've seen, uh, I've seen a patent, application for a, the very thing where a drone comes in and picks up freight right out of a rail car and delivers it to somebody's that's home. So, so cool. that could that could happen.
0: And again, I'm thinking even the moving rail cars. I mean, that that's like the next level where like the drone comes and it's just like somehow magnetized and opens slides open the top of that rail car, picks it up while it's, you know, going like 30, 40, 50 miles an hour and boom, then it's off and going. So you're kind of just like Santa Claus just as you're moving by town yeah. <laughs> just picking things up and dropping things off and nobody knows the better. So you did mention that you you're also looking at self-driving trains and bullet trains on the horizon. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Like, What does that process of getting there look like in reality?
2: Let me put it this way. Let's start with automated trains are actually in operation uh, today. Not not as much in the US, but in Australia, there are trains that are operating fully independently with no locomotive or conductor in the cab, uh, traveling hundreds of miles, being able to navigate through uh, crossings, you know, road crossings where there might be vehicles and, and other hazards. And, uh, it's, it's, so the technology's there in the U S the railroad industry in its entirety has just finished putting in a very extensive safety system that keeps trains from running red lights and going too fast and running into each other. If there's a mistake by the engineer say running a red light. So the advantage of that is that there's, communication, power, connectivity that would support autonomous trains and also the bandwidth of information that you would need to transmit back and forth to when you're visualizing, you know, the, the horizon and the gray crossings and so forth to make sure there's not obstructions in the way. The next step of that is literally to to create or to install the software that, again, exists in other places that will allow the train to run uh, autonomously, just, just starting, stopping, and controlling speed. So that, that is actually probably not more than a year or two, three years down the horizon. However, we have our own unique set of challenges uh, to getting that done um, you know, across the railroad industry. And one of them is regulatory, just like you know, autonomous trucks, but also we have a unique labor situation where we would have to get agreements with our workers or, uh, and their unions to, to support that type of an operation. And then, of course, just like trucking, there's a lot of edge cases, you know, how do you handle certain uh, unexpected events? Uh, but I think it's coming. And and one difference between us and trucks is even with the crews in the cab or the locomotive, we can get some benefits out of automation. Think, think fuel efficiency. You know, you may not realize this, but handling a three-mile-long train takes a little bit of a touch when you're at the controls. And uh, to keep it running smooth and also to maximize fuel efficiency, and to consider that down the road there might be a, a congestion or a red light and that you would have to stop. So we can integrate our dispatching system and our train control system such that those trains move at optimal speed and burn the minimum amount of fuel and still get to their destination on time. So we're gonna get some of those benefits probably in the next three or four years. Uh, full automation is probably a, you know for us is also more like maybe 10 years out, but uh, we're working on those things.
0: Well, John, at least for my audience, you're the spokesperson for the rail industry. So just share with us one thing that you really want to make sure our audience gets when they walk away from this episode, from this interview, from what they've learned from you. What's one key takeaway?
2: Transportation industry isn't as exciting as, as other things like technology and um, aerospace. There is a lot going on. There's a lot of technology that's involved. There's a lot of uh, a lot of movement, it's becoming much more sophisticated with e-commerce and as consumer demands and interests change. So uh, it, it's, it's a quite dynamic market that you may not realize.
0: Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've just been hanging out with JP and JLD today. So keep up that heat and head over to eofire.com. Type John, J-O-N in the search bar. And the show notes page will pop up with everything we talked about today. Links to all that jazz. And John, I want to say thank you, brother, for sharing your truth, knowledge, value with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side.
2: Hey, John, thank you very much. I appreciated talking with you.
0: Hey Fire Nation, today's value bomb content was brought to you by John and Creighton and successful entrepreneurs, they accomplish big goals. That's why I created the Freedom Journal to guide you in accomplishing your number one goal in 100 days and we're talking step by step. Visit thefreedomjournal.com, use promo code podcast for a $15 discount and thank you for listening to my podcast and I'll catch you there or I'll catch you on the flip side. This advertisement is brought to you by Creighton University with the support of Union Pacific. A degree from Creighton's Hyder College of Business will empower you to think boldly, lead confidently, and shape your future. For more program information, to schedule an appointment with an enrollment specialist, or to start an application today, go to gradschool.creighton.edu.